Hey everybody and welcome back to Group Therapy. I'm one of your hosts, licensed clinical social worker, Kristen Gingrich. <laughs> I was literally about to say, I'm one of your hosts. Fuck! Okay, sorry Kristen. Do you mind doing it over again? That was such a good intro. Fuck, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Take two. Okay. Hey everybody and welcome back to Group Therapy. I'm one of your hosts, licensed clinical social worker, Kristen Gingrich. I'm licensed clinical psychologist, Dr. Kristen Casey. I'm licensed clinical psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> what in cousin tarnation was that? No. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Group Therapy. I'm one of your hosts, licensed clinical social worker, Kristen Gingrich. I'm licensed clinical psychologist, Dr. Kristen Casey. I'm licensed clinical psychologist, Dr. Jessica Rabin. And I'm licensed psychologist, Dr. J. And this week we are talking all about the spectrum of people pleasing, which I know yes. all too well. Mm. But for so settle in, take a seat, and welcome to group therapy. Nice save. Nice save. <laughs> that was such a solid. I, I was like, I don't hear it. I don't hear it. I don't I hear try it. so hard, guys. Um, yeah. So where were we at? <laughs> the reflection question for last week. That's where we were headed. So last week, our reflection question we had, we talked all about stress. Did anybody get stress relief from listening to that episode? I did. I listened to it over again. I did as well. I, lo- I, I forgot we talked so much about pickleball and how pickleball is a stress reliever. Mm. Yeah. Did you play pickleball? That's a bigger... bigger I have not since last week. We'll change that. We'll get There's a pickleball convention in Boston this summer. That came up on my Facebook timeline because the Zuck is listening. That's a stress reliever right there. (laughs) So let's hear what you guys had to say over on our Facebook. Um, So some things that you guys said were exercising and checking in with people when I start overthinking my interactions with people. Love. Making sure I'm taking breaks between school and work. Mm. That was good. Someone did say quoting Michael Scott with my boss. Who, That's Michael so Scott? fun. Does anybody know? Legendary. Who is that? Is that from The Office? Yes. Yep. Okay. I've never, I've never watched The Office. Uh, but then they also said journaling. Oh my god. Someone said move my body. And the mm. other one was to stop procrastinating. Ooh. That's a good so one because I feel like if you procrastinate, choices. it could make you more stressed. Like, um, uh, absolutely. yeah, I mean, I'm on the last week and a half at my job. And do you think that I've spent the last four weeks prepping? Absolutely not. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're running into crunch time of like, I did five hours of worth of work in three hours yesterday. So Dang. yeah, we're solid. But this week we're talking all about people pleasing. Ooh, I, this topic's I, I crazy hope, to me. I hope all of you guys really like this episode. It's my internal I see what like, you I did there. KB. Yeah, uh-huh. I caught it. I did catch it. Uh-huh. At first, I was like, I, I don't know why you're saying that at the front end, because this could be one of our worst. But we're going to make it one of our best. <laughs> by just immediately being like, what is people-pleasing? Yes. I think of putting others first, doing things for others, even when you don't want to, like finding it hard to say no. Um, oh yeah. That's a big lacking yeah. boundaries with things. Like maybe you're, I think of people placing at work. So like your boss says, Hey, can you do this? And you say yes, because you want to make sure that they right. like you or 
think you're a good employee. Oh, yeah. I think it comes from – there's obviously so many spinoffs to this. It could come from multiple areas, I think, that just like anything. But I think the most about not wanting to disappoint people, I think that's like a huge one. Because mm-hmm. um, if you think about it, if you say no, then you open up that potential for disappointment for that other person to experience. And then you're like, oh, no, I'm just going to do whatever – they want me to do just because I want to avoid that. Yeah. I, I get pulled into thinking about and often see people taking responsibility for other people's emotions mm-hmm. That's and reactions. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I know we'll get into the spectrum here of like, what is kindness? What is being a caring, considerate, compassionate person? And when is it becoming a problem, like a people-pleasing habit that could hold you back or potentially damage your mental health? Mm -hmm. All the things come into play, but I often see that happening of, I'm afraid so-and-so will feel or think. Mm -hmm. And that to me, I'm like, ooh, that hits my little ears. I'm like, that sounds like people-pleasing. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think it's always too about like, how is it, how is you saying yes impacting your daily life? Mm. Mm. A good point. And is it is it a consistent negative impact? Um, because sometimes we'll still say yes, and we do it because there is that care and compassion, and it does impact us. But is it something that is consistently impacting us to the point that it is causing harm mm-hmm. and building mm-hmm. things like resentment um, I'm on the tail end? That. Yeah. I also think going off of what you said, Justin, about taking on other people's emotions, feelings – I think people pleasers tend to, when they say yes to something, have that initial gut feeling of like unease or like, I don't really want to do this or I know this is going to stress me out, but the other person's thoughts or feelings are more important than mine. Even if that's not a like logical process, but like, I'm going to do this despite that kind of gut instinct of like, I don't really want to do this or this makes me uncomfortable but I'm going to say yes anyways because of that fear of how that person would respond if you said no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there are there are situations, I think, y'all could disagree with me, where people-pleasing makes sense in the moment. But like mm-hmm. KBI was saying, I think if it becomes a pattern and you consistently feel like mm-hmm. resentment or there's something brewing or like mm-hmm. it's causing harm or distress over time, then that's usually the time where we kind of look at people-pleasing and say, what's the rationale? You know, what are you doing this for? Because I'm remembering one of my friends, she's a big people pleaser and she can't say no to plans, social plans. She just, she can't handle it. She's just like, if I say no, then I'm going to either lose my friends or they're going to feel bad or it's a birthday or it's Mm -hmm. a baby shower. I don't want to miss it. And I know you want to be there for big things, but she'll say it regardless of her original plans, financial means, all this stuff. And then she'll go have fun and then come home and be like, oh my gosh, I feel so spent. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. So we always talk about what's the reason why you keep saying yes? And she's like, I just don't want to lose friends. So for some people, it's like they have an attachment as well. And it's just hard to break that. Yeah. And I think we've touched on it a little bit, but it it highlights some of the problems that can come from this. Because people can ask like, well, what's the big deal with people pleasing? Mm -hmm. You can easily slide into burnout. You Mm -hmm. can easily slide into an exaggerated stress response because you're not passing, as KBI was saying, and just of like, passing on opportunities at work, passing on people being like, hey, can you do this one thing for me? Can you do this? And you're like, again, what we hope to get to is where you can be like, sorry, my plate is full. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I got too many things I got to get to today. 
Like I'm already stressed. I can't take this. Mm-hmm. But burnout, stressed out, you know, piling on the anxiety. And there, there, I couldn't find any research on this, but there certainly is the potential that people pleaser, pleasers slide into depression. Mm-hmm. It makes yeah. sense to me logically, even if I couldn't find the data to kind of support that. And thinking about clients I've worked with, I know some of the impact of why they're experiencing depression is because mm-hmm. of people pleasing. I could so see that. I wonder too on the spectrum of like, I, I haven't seen this research either, but I, I want to know y'all's thoughts about, do you think that people who have a tendency for people pleasing are more likely to be like anxious or have like an anxious disposition? I was mm-hmm. thinking about that before the podcast. Yeah, there there isn't a lot of research on people pleasing um, that I could find, at least using those terms. Um, but yeah. there is some constructs related to people pleasing. I'm not going to get into it too much because then I'll you know ruin the Google Scholar shorts. Um, Ooh, but depression tease. is one of them. Oh my god, a little teaser. Um, <laughs> anxiety, definitely, because if you're an anxious. Mm-hmm person and you're worried, especially if you're worried about what other people think of you, um, worried about how you come across to others, worry about, you know, if I don't do this thing for my boss, will I get fired? It it logically Mm -hmm. does Mm -hmm. make sense. Mm -hmm. I also think of like another outcome, negative consequence being like neglecting yourself. So you're putting others' needs oh, yeah. before you. So yeah. you don't engage in the activities you want to because you're working on other things for other people. I mean, if we go into depression, you could be staying up late at night to finish projects. You're not engaging in self-care, poor sleep, not showering, hygiene, eating regular, like all mm-hmm. of these things mm-hmm. because you're putting the needs of others before yours. I'm thinking about all the times where I said yes when I wanted to say no now, mm-hmm. like <laughs> like to just things in general. Um. Well, and I think there's always a balance mm-hmm. as well because – and I think that's also important to touch upon is that, you know, sometimes we're going to say yes when we want to say no. How many of us enjoy taking people to the airport? <laughs> Wait, this is like my you have me thing. rethinking this. Wait, you're like, that, wait, stop. Nobody actually likes taking people to the airport at 4 a.m. No, that's actually really valid. Like, I, nobody I actually do, does it, but we do it because it's the kind thing to do. Nine times out of ten, that person will be more than willing to take you. That's and very so, true. so, when you drove me to the airport in Boston, you're telling me you didn't want to do a mess. Well, she, Absolutely not. she went right into the group chat, you're not in, and just yeah, let loose. Just, she was like, my people-pleasing tendencies just got the best of me today, and I'm just going to drive Kristen to the airport because I feel bad. Like, yeah, exactly. Like- that's what it was. <laughs> but that's the, but that's the thing is like there are things that we're going to do because we don't – and we don't want to do them or we have no mm-hmm. interest, but we do them because we're like, you know what? That's the nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, and but it also comes with boundaries that if I'm – if someone is constantly asking me to take, take me to the 4 a.m. flight, and they're mm. and I've asked them a couple times, and they're like outright refuse. I might set a boundary and say, you know what, I'm, I'm not really going to be able to do this as much, um, mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever that may be. And so I think there's also the piece. It's always fine. It's always knowing where your limit is, and how much it's impacting you. Because a lot of times I find with people pleasers, like, and this isn't to say not every like everybody, there are people in the world who are unkind, but like they tend to even be 
very kind people who just then become anxious, um, you know, wanting to meet the needs. They feel if I've done this once, I have to keep doing it. Mm. Um, but the reality is, is you can be kind with boundaries and expectations. Oh, yeah. And from someone who, for myself, where I, I call myself a recovering people pleaser, where I spent a lot of my life sitting in people pleasing, doing everything that everybody asked me to do, um, always saying yes, always taking on more, always doing more. And instead now I've moved to this thing that where I do the things that I want to do. I say yes sometimes even when I want to say no, but it comes with those expectations of what my limits are in that. Or if someone asks me to do something and I can't do it in that time frame, sometimes I'll be like, I can't do it in the time frame you want, but here is a different time frame that I can do. Totally. Yeah. I think you've laid out a lot on the table there. Yeah. I, I also, I had a period of time after this was mainly after my brother had passed away where that was the way I was adapting through trauma, like kind of trying to float mm -hmm. above all the pain by just being so social and definitely people pleasing. But as we get into talking about how people overcome people pleasing, you're throwing out a lot of examples of how you evaluate that. And part of the thing I think of is what is the cost? Like mm -hmm. being able to pause yeah. and be like, what is the cost to me? Because I love what you're naming of like the reciprocity of like, oh, cool. You know, you take me to the airport. I take you to the airport. We kind of have this cool relationship. It's part of our relationship, whatever. But even in a moment, like even though we have that relationship, I, it might cost me something that's too high. And mm -hmm. I can say that and be like, I, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm like mm -hmm. booked up that day. There's just mm -hmm. no way I could make it. And even though maybe you could make it, the cost to you would be so high that it would set you back maybe with work, maybe with grounding, maybe with self-care. And this is a big step forward for people who tend to just automatically say, well, I have to, yeah. which is something I hear a lot of my people play, pleasers say. They can't even pause and hold of like, there is the possibility here that I could pass on this or just explain what I got going on that day and be like, I'm so sorry, I can't this time. Yeah. It's almost like they see it as a demand instead of a request. It's like mm -hmm. they oh, feel like they have totally. to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and then if you go to the complete opposite side, right? We're talking about the spectrum of people pleasing. If you are the, if you go to the complete other side and you're constantly saying no, you're constantly doing that, then you might be risking the relationship. Mm-hmm. You might be risking maybe when you have needs that need to be met that those individuals aren't going to meet your needs as well when you go to the complete other opposite of it. Um, and, you know, that has negative impacts just as much. Yeah, I think for people who are recovering people pleasers, there's almost like an overcorrection sometimes where they're like, mm -hmm. okay, let me take this and run with it. <laughs> and let me just say no, you know, which is empowering and it could be really helpful. And I really think it's helpful to think about in the beginning, you might really, really put up a lot of boundaries, right? And then you're like, oh my gosh, now what? Now all my friends are like not asking me to hang out or people aren't approaching me for anything. Um, and I think it could be really hard, but I do appreciate when people start to say no, especially my friends, because I'll say like, if you say no, I know that's your boundary and that's okay. Um, and I try mm -hmm. to like praise my friends who are like recovering people pleasers, like it's okay to say no. Um, but I think too, it's important to think about the friends who never reach out to you for the airport mm -hmm. ride or for the help, or they're mm -hmm. like, never ask for help and they finally do, you might, if you are on that opposite end of the spectrum, you might say, wow, this person never reaches out. 
maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll overextend myself this one time or, mm-hmm. you know, I could take something off my plate. And that's why I think it's so important to realize that it is a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because again, wherever, like every day you could be at a different point. Um, again, you might be at a day where everything is so busy and you might be more towards the saying no side. And then you might have a more free day where people are more open to say yes. And acknowledging that that, that, that can go back and forth. And that is also different for every person in your life. You may have someone who you might ebb and flow more towards yes to, and then there are people who tend to get no's more often, and that's also okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think too. Oh, go ahead, Jess. No, I was just gonna say, like, as you all were talking and thinking about the spectrum and talking about, like, okay, people pleaser say yes, opposite end says no. I'm also wondering if on that opposite end, or maybe it's somewhere in the middle, and I would like to get y'all's thoughts. Like, is saying no the only opposite of people-pleasing? Like, could it be somebody that's just, like, not responding to you? Like, so they're not saying no, but they're, like, ghosting or avoiding. It's the person Mm -hmm. that, like, skips out on work a couple minutes early to avoid getting caught doing something last minute. This is literally Mm -hmm. me thinking on the fly, but hearing you because I'm like, (laughs) yeah, some people might overcorrect, but I'm wondering, are there still kind of – you know, if you think of people pleasing tendencies where people like to avoid conflict, because we know that happens in people pleasing, well, I'm going to work on my people pleasing, but I'm just going to avoid people (laughs) or like commitments altogether and not necessarily set those boundaries of no. I don't know. That just, that thought came to mind and I'd love to get your thoughts. Go ahead, k You go, Justin. You go. You always (laughs) have us go. You're going to go this time. No, you're going to go this time. I'll take it. Um, Jess, I think you make a really good point because I think no response is a response, right? And I think for some people, that's their way of creating space for themselves. Um, Mm. I I also think about it this way. Like either end of the spectrum, you're teaching people how to treat you in some ways and they're taking in that information. So if you're going to say yes to everything, you're going to say no to everything – then other people's behavior will change around that. So if I'm the person who says yes all of the time, then my friends will know, okay, even if this is uncomfortable for me and I text Kristen, she's going to say yes. Or if I'm the type of person that's always going to say no, they might not reach out at all. And then I meet them, what, a couple weeks later and they're like, oh my gosh, I went through this really hard thing. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? And then they're like, oh, I don't know. Really, it's because I was unapproachable in that way. Not to say that people who are on the opposite end are unapproachable, but your friends might get the sense that, you might not be there for them, even though intent- internally you're probably wanting to help and you're just trying to set boundaries or you're trying to preserve your space or time. Yeah. And I don't know why I'm hell-bent on setting these poles. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. maybe it's to have like a good like working model of what we're discussing. But I totally agree. I think people-pleasing, it's almost like the default is I'm going to say yes to someone else's emotions or needs Mm -hmm. it's like on the people pleasing spectrum in the middle is like whatever your truth is that could be no it could be i got all this shit going on today there's just there's just no way i'm sorry it could be oh i might be able to if we move the time around it's whatever your truth is is to me like kind of the middle then on the far side is sort of this like avoiding any emotional connection i think more avoidant generally 
maybe avoidant attachment style, maybe some avoidant personality disorder, but it's almost like there isn't even the attempt of like holding the other person because you're not even a part of the equation. I'm making this up on the fly. So please change the model. <laughs> no, I agree with you. <laughs> That's so I, I like that. Yeah, me too. Justin, because even thinking about like avoidant, like, and if we're thinking about, you know, emotional needs of others, going back to what KBI and K10 were saying about no, like that could be an avoidant of emotional needs, like saying no right away because we're not even giving a person the opportunity to hold space, tell us what they actually need in addition to all those things you just talked about, like avoiding personality, avoiding attachment, mm-hmm. um, distancing yourself. So yeah, this is so yeah. intriguing. This is why I love I know. our conversations. I know, me too. I'm wondering, I'm wondering how y'all treat <clears throat> people pleasing in therapy. Like if a client comes to you and says, I don't know, I just, for some reason, I I'm a people pleaser and I want to change that. You know, I, I really want to gain, just say, I'm making this up. I want to gain a sense of autonomy. I want to be able to put up boundaries. I want to be able to think about myself while also maintaining my relationships. Mm. I know that there's probably not like an evidence-based treatment for it um, in essence, you know, but mm-hmm. I guess walk me through how you might treat something like this in therapy or maybe the first steps. I'm trying to think too right now, actually. I think the first step, obviously, you know, is acknowledgement that there is yeah. an issue, right? That they see an issue with their people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's, again, it's impacting me physically, financially, mentally, emotionally, all of that. I can say when I've worked with individuals who have struggled, um, they fear that they're going to be expected to go to the opposite side. And I use oh. like. A bit, this is a big word for, for, but that systematic desensitization. So I work with them to take baby steps towards that other side. My hope is that it's more towards the middle. Mm-hmm. But so I say, okay, your, your cousin texted you today and said, hey, can you take me to the mall? And you can't do it today, but you're about to cancel your plans. Instead of saying, no, I can't say, no, I can't take you at 11, but I could take you at three. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you're, so you're still saying yes. And you're, and yeah. you're kind of feeding that people pleasing because you're not to the point where you, where you feel confident enough to stay no and be able to stick with that and sit with that. But you start saying no in a way that meets your needs a little bit. So maybe you really can't take him at 10, but you know, that thing at three, I could cancel. It's not my favorite thing to cancel, but I could. Like, and, and starting to do that, um, and do that slowly to help build your confidence and say no, because a lot of times people don't even have the confidence to say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It is. It is. I, yeah. Building the confidence to say no comes down the line also in the work that I do. I, I start with wanting people to mindfully self-reflect mm-hmm. because when I think about and conceptualize people pleasers, that's not a part of the equation. Mm. It's rare mm. that someone knows how they feel. Some mm. some people pleasers might where they're like, I know I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. Some just, they're in such a habit that this is their default mode of being. They're just saying yes. And they're coming to me like, I'm so stressed and burned out, not aware, not mm. aware that the mm. actual pattern is a people pleasing pattern. 
But for a lot of people pleasers, I want them to mindfully pause in a moment when someone asks them to do something, when someone puts a task on them and be like, how does this impact you? Mm-hmm. which is the, the big pause. Because mm-hmm. if we can't answer that, we're going to default to our old modes. But as you were saying, KBI, when someone can be like, at 11, I'm just, you know, I'm going to be getting back from the gym. I'm going to be rushed. You know, it would be better for me if I could take them at three. Be like, okay, it sounds like 11 for you would be way too rushed, mess up your routine. You've been waiting to go to that workout class that, you know, however it impacts you. But just the pause to look inward just instead of defaulting to the emotional needs of others to be like, mm-hmm. what, how does it impact me is where I begin. Yes. Cause it's a long process for people in a moment, not to default to the way you've been coping and surviving. Mm-hmm. It's so true. I, I kind of, I, first of all, I love what you both said. Cause I think the systematic desensitization plus the reflection, it's like, it's a solid combo, you know? Um, I even think too, I'm pulling from DBT, the interpersonal effectiveness module, when um, we're trying to, for some people, like, go to boundaries. Like, I don't know how to mm-hmm. voice my needs in the moment. Like, I just struggle mm-hmm. with that. And sometimes I think of like three things. Do you want, you know, to preserve the relationship in this moment? You know, just this one moment. Don't think about big picture. Um, do you want to preserve the relationship? Do you want your objective met? Meaning, like, I need to get to this place at this time. I don't really care about the relationship. I just need this done. Um, or it's like maintaining your self-respect. And a lot of times people will tell me, I want all three. And I'm like, that's great. (laughs) Same. We all do. Um, but in that moment you might have to choose. And that for people pleasers, I think is really hard because you might actually have to choose. I have to choose myself over the relationship in some sense, just in this one moment. And for them, just walking them through that role play could be incredibly difficult even in session to say, Mm -hmm. okay, we're going to go back and forth. I'm going to pretend to be your friend. Um, And you could even see the anxiety, like KBI was saying, like of even making the words come out. But I think Justin made a good point too. If you're not able to reflect on the fact that, wow, this is the problem or this is my issue, then Mm -hmm. again, you will revert to old habits as well. And I think the also importance is doing values work. Mm. what are you like I always have my like what are your top three values in life Mm -hmm. and then asking yourself when someone is asking you to do something is this violating one of your top three values so again Mm -hmm. if you go to like we can approach the desensitization kind of process in a different way and sometimes I approach it values work so if finances you know for example is is it one of the top three and someone's asking you to do something that is going to make you lose a day's worth of work money then that might be a more apt to say no because it's impacting one of your top values. Um, and so you, and and again, like it's to help solidify some baby steps towards saying no in a way mm-hmm. that you feel you have backing to. Because I feel like sometimes when with people pleasers, and I can, this is just speaking from my own experience, is I always felt like I didn't have enough backing to say no. Like enough evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel, yeah, I always felt like, yeah. well, the only evidence is, is I just don't want to. Yeah. Or the only that's evidence a, that's is okay. like, it just takes my time. Yeah. And like, and, and, but it is, like you said, it is okay. And so when I give myself an additional piece of evidence, I'm like, okay. So it, it like, it just gives me another piece to back up why I'm mm-hmm. saying no. Oh, yeah. Even mm-hmm. though we just, all we just need to know, all the reason we need to have is I just don't want to do it. Yeah. Or it makes yeah. me uncomfortable. You don't even have yep. to have like any sort of reason for that feeling, you know. You mm-hmm. just be like, "Oh, it's just not my thing." 
like if a friend invites you to, I don't know, the bar and just say you're not drinking, you know, that's going to be either a yes, I'll go with reservations, meaning like I'll stay for a little bit. I'll, I'll, you know, have a non-alcoholic drink or like it's too testy for me. I can't go, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, let's go somewhere else. You know, maybe we could go to the mall tomorrow or something like that. And that mm-hmm. might be the compromise. But I think, yeah, to KPI's point, like you don't even have to have that reasoning. You could just say, I don't want to be out late and mess my sleep up because I want to wake up at 6 a.m. And people pleasing would screw up my sleep, you know? Mm-hmm. I've never The only thing ever. I would add is I'm, I'm very much like, what is the function of this behavior? Why are you doing it? So like mm. if somebody's like, I people please because of this trauma history mm. and this is my way of coping, okay, one. then we need to work on the trauma. If it's I engage in this because I really, really hate conflict – and I just want to avoid conflict at all costs, we would approach that differently. But one sure. thing I like to ask my clients is, you know, if you – and I've talked about this on other episodes. Like I love doing worst-case scenario, best-case scenario, most likely outcome. Um, you know, what's the worst-case scenario? And, you know, usually it's something like, oh, my my friend will hate me or things like this. My boss will fire me, best case. But then I ask what would be the worst case for you best case for you. Because I think with people pleasers, like we've already talked about, they're leaving their thoughts and feelings out of the equation. Mm -hmm. So yes, worst case might be for your friend that they hate you, but what would be the worst case for you? Well, if I keep doing this, I'm going to be burnt out. What would be the best case? Oh, I would have Time to go do something I like. I wouldn't be as stressed. I could sleep because K10 told me to. Whatever it is. Um, And I think that really helps people think of like, why am I actually doing this? Because I don't know if that – I mean, going back to what Justin said, that self-reflection. But if the people-pleasing comes from – I mean, it can come from various areas. I think that underlying reason why someone's engaging, if there is one, because some people might not know, also needs to be – Address. You need to get at the core of the issue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not an issue. <laughs> Going the Google Scholar shorts. shorts. Never an issue. Never, Never an issue. Getting the science you need in a short when you, form. When you need it. Yeah, in short form. Like we'll that. work on that. We'll work on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it was actually work. kind of an issue. That's what I was about week. to say. It sounds like this issue, this week I was mean, a slight issue trying it, to find it. It. Yeah. it actually was an issue. So as we have already said on the podcast and as I was texting you all, um, there is not a lot of scientific literature out there when you specifically mm. search people-pleasing. Like, if you put that in, I found a couple articles from like, 2012 but like there nothing but there is a lot of literature on sociotropy which has been highly associated with people pleasing um as well as autonomy i'm gonna get i'm gonna define it for you don't worry (laughs) so sociotropy (laughs) refers to a person's need for positive interchanges with and investments in interpersonal relationships with close others so people mm. that are really invested in but want those relationships to be positive, which makes sense if you think of people-pleasing because mm-hmm. you're going to please others so there's positive interactions. So opposite in the scientific literature from sociotropy is autonomy, and it refers to the need for independence, freedom from the influence of others, and the attainment of personal goals. 
Okay, so after hearing those two definitions, which of those social traits, so sociotropy or autonomy, do you believe is more highly correlated with depression? Oh, that you threw me through a loop. I thought you were going to say people pleasing or not people pleasing. Um, I I feel like this is a trick question. I I, I, I feel know. like yeah. I I want to phone a friend, guys. What do you think? <laughs> I'm going to say the autonomy, just because I feel like it's a trick question. Yeah. <sighs> the the reason I think it could be autonomy is because you take space from others. Would be my hypothesis. Like the isolation mm. component. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I, I think it's autonomy. Okay, I'm just going to go with the other one, just because I I just want to be different. That's it. What, I, I have no rationale. Yeah. So it was a trick question because both are actually highly yeah. correlated yes! with depression, but for different God! reasons. Let's you can't do this. So, like, so highly sociotropic individuals, so that's that people-pleasing, tend to be more vulnerable to depression when they encounter negative interpersonal events. So if we oh. think of like interpersonal therapy, like can help these individuals. But highly autonomous individuals tend to be more vulnerable to depression when confronted with threats to their independence or threats to their goal-oriented behavior. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, we're going to be looking at personality, um, so the role of the big five, and I'll go over the big five, autonomy and sociotropy um, in relation to both depression and anhedonia. Um, so like I said, there's not a lot on people-pleasing for our group members. You all, when I say sociotropy, really think of that as the people-pleasing tendency. Um, so a lot of research has examined how personality relates to depression, but there's really little research on the relation between anhedonia, so for our group members, loss of interest or pleasure in things that one used to enjoy, and personality. Um, and anhedonia is really a cardinal symptom of depression. So anhedonia has been shown to be uniquely predictive of poor treatment outcomes, such as poor responses to pharmacotherapy, because if you think about it, if you have no motivation to engage in things, you're not going to take your medication and maybe an important factor for deciding which treatment strategy is most appropriate for an individual. So with regard to personality traits, research has consistently shown that neuroticism has a, the strongest positive relationship with depression, followed by extroversion, which is an inverse relationship. So those that are highly extroversion have lower levels of depression and conscientiousness, which is a positive relationship. Um, so I already highlighted the differences between sociotropy and autonomy with depression, but I also wanted to highlight that highly autonomous individuals are thought to exhibit different depressive symptoms than individuals mm. that are high in sociotropy. So for example, autonomy has been found to be strongly related to anhedonia because of the solitude that Justin brought up, like the withdrawal. Um, so there's a solitude dimension of autonomy characterized by lack of concern or sensitivity towards others, and it has a negative correlation with positive emotions. So mm. the study looked at the big five personality traits, so that's openness, conscientiousness, agreeableness, extroversion, and neuroticism, as well as sociotropy and autonomy in predicting anhedonia compared to depressive symptoms more generally. Um, so the study was 162 undergraduates, mean age 19.98, 74.1% female, and obviously they completed measures looking at all of these things. So neuroticism, sociotropy, so that's that people-pleasing, and the solitude subscale of autonomy 
were positively correlated with depression symptoms. The independent subscale of, of autonomy was not correlated with depressive symptoms. So independence in itself doesn't put you at higher risk for depression. The correlation between neuroticism and depressive symptoms was stronger than the correlation with anhedonia, although both were significant. Extroversion was negatively correlated with anhedonia, and solitude was positively correlated with anhedonia. Um, The authors then conducted regression analyses and found that neuroticism was the strongest predictor of depressive symptoms, followed by conscientiousness. And that was the only other significant predictor. So sociotropy, autonomy, and none of the other personality traits were significant predictors. However, extroversion was a unique predictor of anhedonia, inversely related. So if you're extroverted, you're also at lower risk for anhedonia. Over and above the other big five traits. Thank God. (laughs) I know. I'm looking at Justin. He's like, yes, I'm I'm like, he's winning here. Yeah. Justin Um, is like winning this article. I'm I'm (laughs) fucked. And Justin is like driving. I'm going to take it. Listen, take what can come your way. A win is a win. You know? Yeah. Interestingly, though, um, as I said, previous literature had shown that um, autonomy was related to anhedonia. Solitude was not a unique predictor of anhedonia in this study over the big five traits as predicted. But interestingly, sociotropy was a significant inverse predictor of anhedonia, despite not being significantly correlated. Wow. With anhedonia, so high, so inverse predictor. So the higher you are, sociotropy, higher people pleasing, basically, the less anhedonia, which was interesting. Raise your hand if you learned a lot of big words. <laughs> I just learned a lot of big words. Oh uh, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. It's so crazy how they do these. I love um, it though. How they do these research studies because. I think about the big five and I think mm-hmm. about how it's correlated with people pleasing. And I would have, I, I'm shocked. Like I, for, I would have never thought, you know, um, yeah. even mm-hmm. just the relationships that you talked about. Really interesting. And just like, yeah, there's no research. Here's the well, research. But if you look like, at, yes, there's a lot of research on um, sociotropy and autonomy, mm-hmm. a lot that dates back to the 80s. Um, I thought of, but then I was like, this is going to be so boring. I was like, I could just like talk about the scale, but it came out in like 1983. It's still useful. <laughs> Aaron Beck created it. Um, but yeah, it is. So going back to your question or that you posed, Justin, earlier, you were like, I didn't find research. So if we think of people pleasing as sociotropy, yeah, depression mm-hmm. is um, highly correlated with that. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. It doesn't. But that's the thing about research. Until we have research, (laughs) right? Can't really say. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of times, what I'm pulling from is all the clients I've had the privilege Mm -hmm. of working Mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. Like, and but this is what a lot of research starts from: is you start with what are people's lived experiences. We do case studies. We do these things. But Mm -hmm. a lot of times, I go to what have I experienced out there, like in the field, and that's not Mm -hmm. always means that relates perfectly to research but when you're like i've never seen this but mm-hmm. i have i seen people pleasing be a big part of depression 
Absolutely. Is it always? No, no, no. But certainly seeing a number of clients come to mind where I'm like, oh yeah, that was definitely part of Mm -hmm. what they were working on adjusting to get out of the depression. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's interesting too, if we think of the spectrum that we're talking about, like, so autonomy, which is on the opposite end of the spectrum is still correlated with depression. It's too far, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's something about the middle. My dog is like very upset right now. I'm sorry. He's like, the weed whackers are outside and he's like panting. And I'm like, I hope they can't hear it. I'm really sorry. You know what else we, we are not them? upset about though? Ooh, the polls. <laughs> Your dog might be upset, but we're my not dog, upset. <laughs> my dog's pissed. Yeah. I love that uh, I was about to cut that out. And then you used it as the transition, and now I'm like, what? I don't I'm trying know so I'm hard gonna to like do. I, like, I feel like I got to redeem myself because all the transitions that I've done in every other episode have like literally tanked. So I need to like up my game. I don't, I don't even think for the outro you did one. You're like, yeah. So this, so this was the series episode. Thank you. I'm trying. I love it. Let's go to the polls. Let's go to the polls. Y'all love the polls. polls. I love the polls too. I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited about the last question that I asked about who's the biggest people pleaser here. Um, But our group members had really, really, really good feedback. And um, I'm really excited that everybody decided to um, engage in the polls. So uh, the first question was, are you a people pleaser? The answers were, oh, yes, not at all. Or I used to be. What do y'all think is the top one? Yes. I, I feel like a lot of our group members are people pleasers. What do you mean? What does everybody else think? I'm going to go with I used to be at 37%. I'm doing 40% yes. I'm going to do... See, um... 63% yes. Oh my god. <laughs> yes was 77%. Damn. Oh, wow. I used to be with 17 and then not at all was 5%. So the sample that we're pulling from obviously is our yeah. people who follow us and group yeah. members. So I do wonder about that. Um, wow. Maybe not generalizable to the broader scale of the population, but interesting for sure. What are the benefits and risks of people pleasing? Um, there were so many amazing responses to this one. I was, y'all, if y'all are listening, I'm like, I like, teared up when I read these. I was like, wow, people put a lot of effort into these. Um, So the risks, you can lose yourself in the process. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're talking about risks and benefits as I read these. Mm -hmm. So it feels good to make others happy slash you might abandon yourself in the process. Pro, you're always taking others into consideration. A con is that you're uh, taking others into consideration. Like that was a good one. Um, (laughs) Right? Oh, a little double bind. I love it. Having more friends, but not being able to uh, believe the love from friends or trust them completely. Interesting take on it. Um, A lot of these were very similar, but another one was, uh, I think Justin brought this up before, one of the risks is burnout, Um, low self-esteem, being taken advantage of, and potential for unhealthy relationships. I think we haven't talked about that one in great detail, but that was a good one. Codependency, you don't put yourself first. Um, The benefit is that people don't get upset with you. And the risk is that you get upset with yourself. I thought that was an amazing one. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Spot on. Uh, benefits is, yeah. One benefit is that you're in the comfort zone and a risk is you're not being your authentic self. That was a good one. Yeah. That goes to what Justin was saying. Your truth exactly. is in the middle. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. Um, avoiding conflicts. There was one in here that was really good. Hold on. 
One of the risks is anxiety. And then a benefit is keeping people happy. Another thing that Justin mentioned before of like, we're really focused on other people's emotions. So that was a really good one. Okay. Next one. What is the reason that you're a people pleaser? Oh my God. These were so good. The first one was, I care about people. I hate conflict. I don't want to disappoint others or I don't know. What do y'all think? I don't want to disappoint others. Yeah. What do y'all think? Uh, yeah. I would say like 50%. Go bigger. or go 60. Home. 60? Ooh, you're going you, bigger than me. You both cheat. Kristen, what do you think? <laughs> what? You're muted. I'd split, I'd split the difference, say 55. Then I'm going to say I said 55. 87. Oh, I Justin cheated. I'm like just going to call you out right now. Did you cheat? No, well, you said I was listening to what you hinted. Of I did hint. Yeah. So Jess said 50. I said 60. So in the communication you gave, 55. It is 55. Sorry, well, Kristen. Yeah, I like jumped. I, I didn't even let Kristen answer. I'm so sorry. Oh my no, gosh. I, mean, I, I, I went eighty-seven before anybody else said anything. My dumbass was just muted. Oh, well. oh my <laughs> gosh. Okay, what do you think was the lowest? So again, I Wait. care about people. I hate conflict. I don't want to disappoint, or I don't know. And this is the reason why people, people, please. <laughs> I care about. I don't know. I bet I care. I would about say I don't know. Yeah. Or I care about people. One of those two. Those were the the lowest two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You'll How much was I up. care about people? Um, I care about people is 9%. I don't know is 6 And then I hate conflict was actually 30%. So KBI was another is like, high. What, what's caring about people? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think KBI Outside cares of my, the most. Of, no, here's the thing. Uh, in my office, I give so much. I care yeah. so much. And the people in my life I care so much about, but I also do not care about people. And that's where I went to the total opposite of people pleasing, where I am like in my era where I'm like, I, you know what? If you want to do you do you. Not taking that on. Not going to do that. Nope. Done. And we call that work-life balance and boundaries. I'm just going to throw you a bone. Yeah. Okay. The next one was – and. If anybody's listening to this, I want to know your feedback. If you like, I know this is the polls, but this is like a question that you had to type your answer. And I want to know mm-hmm. if you like this because we got so many responses. It was like almost overwhelming. Um, so the next question is, what has helped you reduce your people pleasing? If you're a recovering people pleaser. Ooh. Yeah. This was so, guys, I'm so excited. Um, so people were saying, realizing that I didn't do things for myself and I was thinking about everybody else besides me. That made me, that made me upset. Um, reminding myself that I'm not going to be liked by everybody and my time and energy is sacred. Ooh, I love that. Talk about a golden thought. That was amazing. Mm. Um, doing things I don't want to do may lead to resentment. KBI mentioned that before. Uh, mm-hmm. Boundaries, therapy boundaries and trauma-based therapy. I love that one. Um, another thing that has helped people recover from people-pleasing was setting healthy boundaries at work. Not people-pleasing my therapist was a first start. That was a really good one. Ooh. You could practice in therapy, right? Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yes. Um, exhaustion was a really common response. <laughs> I am just – I feel that. Um, yeah. Uh, some people alluded to self-esteem, like liking myself more was super helpful. Um, and then another really big one was um, maintaining my values. I think KPI also okay. mentioned that before, which is another mm-hmm. good one. Okay. Last one. Who is the biggest people pleaser out of all four of us? What do you guys think? Me. Jess. 
absolutely dress. Really? It was yeah. interesting though because I have I, – I do look at the polls when I like respond or whatever. She, she, when I exactly. – no, this was two days ago. This was Sunday or whatever. When I looked, it was me and Justin. You guys were there. so close for like two really? days straight. Yes. Yes. I was checking it every day because I was so excited. So and, and I thought that was I don't know I just thought that was so interesting. Yeah, um, I think I probably still won, but if we're close, wait. Okay, hold up. I have to do math in my head. Okay, I'm gonna put Mia thirty three, Justin at thirty, K ten at. Okay, hold up. I didn't can't do math. That's I just wonder. You're if literally I'm low. on to it. So you you you've, you've I, I was gonna say keep going. Just just, keep going. just just tell me what I'm about to say. Just read my mind. Okay, wait. Go okay, ahead. so I yeah. said thirty three for me, thirty for Justin. So that's sixty three. So I have thirty seven left. Um, so I'm gonna do nineteen for K ten, and then I can't do math in my head. And would that be eighteen for KBI? That's too close. I okay. I just want to take this moment and appreciate the fact that Jess is never fucking wrong about anything. So the only you were just off by two, like two or three percent for you, and everything no. else was correct. Like literally, Wait, and KBI by one percent. So, so <laughs> this is like talk I swear about. I don't anything. <laughs> I'm nominating you as the smartest person I know. So you are at thirty five percent. Justin okay. is at thirty percent. I'm at nineteen, and KBI is at seventeen. I'm only convinced that I'm at 17 because I talk about being a recovered people pleaser. That doesn't add up. You're very that open about it. I think so. I promise that's what it right? says. I know, but like 65. We've already determined that yeah, Instagram Instagram sucks. doesn't math. It does not math. Right? They don't math. The math isn't mathing, but Jess, you're right. Regardless, that's all that matters. So 19.17. Jess is AI. Jess is 36. You are ChatGPT. Yeah, I'm convinced. Yeah. Okay. I'm but I bet, convinced. K10, I bet if I didn't talk about my recovering people pleaser, I bet I would have been higher than you. Just when I heard that. I, I think so, honestly. But I think I, because I talk about it so much. I, um, I'm really, really good at saying no. And like if I'm overextended, I just, I just literally like cannot because I'll just turn into like, I'm just, I'm just irritable. She says no to just, me all the time. I do say no. It's but not, not really that much to you. Maybe to Jess. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Know what we don't say no to? <gasps> Our group member questions. Mm-hmm. Oh, so <laughs> I well, I know Justin was trying to transition, and then the Kristens were talking. So. Sorry, I Justin. tried to whisper it. I know <laughs> you got to speak up. Your voice matters. Okay. Okay. So as always, we love the group member questions. We got a lot of great ones. A lot of you all asked similar things so we hope that by answering your questions we even if we don't ask you a specific question that we answer um a question you had so the first one from cheryl felicia in singapore how do you reduce people pleasing that's the golden question Mm -hmm. you have to start big go big or go home when you said start big, I'm like, you just you just say yes until you have a breakdown and then you say screw everything and now I'm, go- now I'm done. <laughs> no, that's not good advice. <laughs> I mean, it's Absolutely an option not. and don't take it. it is, you know? Yeah, it's an option. Yeah. Not, it usually doesn't end up with saving relationships. Yeah. I think you have to reflect on maybe why you're doing it. I think to Justin's mm-hmm. point before, right? Like where, where am I 
where where is this getting in the way for me? Um, and is it impacting my relationships in a way where that person in my this is just how I conceptualize it? If I'm saying yes and this other person is getting information, then I am literally opting in 100%. Yes, check the box, and they think I'm consenting 100%, and I have no reservations. That's all they're going to think. So in my mind, I always say, Am I giving my friend or whoever the wrong information? Do I have reservations? Do I want to compromise? Do I want to pick a different time? So that's the first step that I sometimes look at when I think about people pleasing or reducing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, going to something KBI said earlier, starting small. So, you know, maybe you're not up to saying no to your boss at work, but if friends say on a whim, like, hey, you want to grab drinks after work? And you're like, no, I actually have plans tonight or do it in a text message before saying it in person. Um, I would, yes, starting small, learning to boundary set or even like delaying an answer. So instead of saying like, yes, right away, I mean like, let me think about that and get back Mm. to you. So then you can- practice or rehearse or reflect, do I actually want to do this? Do I have time to do this? Does it align with my values? Things like that. Okay. So the next question is from Carly from Arizona. And then Megan from California asked a very similar question. Um, But where is drawing the line between people-pleasing and codependency? Are they interrelated? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Y'all, this is a hard one. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to talk out loud real quick and you let me know what you think. Um, I think codependency is when we feel this sense of our happiness is dependent on someone else's experience or happiness. And I think with people-pleasing, and again, there are multiple definitions, but with people-pleasing, I think it kind of breaches that a little bit. But with people-pleasing – I'm assuming that it's situational and it's not like my happiness depends on all these things, but it could be, you know? Um, I don't know the right answer, but that's just my initial thought. Yeah, I think you could be a people pleaser and not in a codependent relationship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You could be in a codependent relationship and not be a people pleaser. Mm. So, And yet you could be a people pleaser in a codependent relationship. (laughs) So So many options. But there are there are all possibilities, and mm-hmm. the one I think of with codependency, I think more in a relational sense. And I know it can be in sort of the substance world, addiction world. It's kind of used as one person gives, the other person takes. Like when you're stuck in that, I think people pleasers could also get in a codependent relationship like that, but I don't think all necessarily do. So to me, they definitely are different, but they could overlap and you could be doing both. So next, Mila from Germany asks, hello, what can we do when we become big people pleasers, possibly due to trauma and bullying? We got a lot of questions about this, about the correlation between trauma and people pleasing, how to best avoid people pleasing when recovering from childhood trauma. So- what do y'all think? I I think a lot of times when we're looking at people pleasing, and this again maybe go to a specific trauma, but like a lot of times people revert to people pleasing because they want to keep the peace, and then it becomes such a habit 
because they're seeing a result. It becomes, in a way, you do something to keep someone else happy and then you feel validation because of that because they're not getting angry, they're not getting upset, um, and it becomes that cycle. And you start doing that with other people and the same thing is happening and it now has become a validation in you that, okay, if I just keep doing what people want me to do, nobody will ever get mad at me because with a lot of times with trauma, for example, like with abuse, Sometimes we feel like that could be everybody in our life. If we make them mad, they could yell at us. They could get angry. So I'm going to do whatever it takes not to make that person mad because I can't even handle maybe when someone's tone shifts because it sends me into fight or flight. Or I'm so I'm so hyper aware of of someone's, you know, facial facial um changes that oh, I said no their eye twitched, they're going to be mad at me because I'm used to that maybe in this other relationship that I'm in. And so um, it can definitely play a huge part in in people pleasing. And it's, I think a lot of times, you know, to be able to move away from people pleasing, you also have to work on that healing piece um, as well. Yeah. I, when I think of like trauma and people pleasing and everybody has, you know, different traumas, life experiences. I know you talked about um keeping the peace. One thing I like to and I'm I'm thinking of more like core beliefs um from like a CBT model. Like did you develop this belief that you have to keep the peace or that you have to please everyone? And where did that come mm-hmm. from? And reminding people like that's more about other people. Um, are you in a different environment where you are no longer um, unsafe or you're out of that trauma, what would it look like if you did things differently? Because I think when we think trauma, we also think of safety and people might not be safe to act in a different manner, like especially if it's keeping the peace, for example. Um, But if you're out of that environment, if you're out of that trauma, um, you know, practicing, like we already kind of talked about, like saying no, setting those boundaries, seeing how people in your life respond. Um, and then obviously, depending on the trauma, doing thorough trauma work, um, which naturally may help reduce the people-pleasing tendencies. Hmm. Okay. So we just talked about trauma and people-pleasing. But Christina from, and I'm going to have K10 say we're in New York because I don't want to screw it up. Satakit. Thank you. Our fellow New Yorker um, said, I hear so much on social media that people pleasing is a trauma response. Can you provide other alternatives of what people pleasing can be if it's not a trauma response? I have a hard time believing that the only context of it is trauma. And then Katie from Chicago asked a similar question about what are some causes that cause people to people, please. Anxiety. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm even thinking too along with anxiety. I mean, I think back to the Google shorts and I think of like the big five is an agreeableness Mm -hmm. on there. And when I think of agreeableness, I just think of people who are just Yes, yes, yes. You know, like go with the flow and there might be like a dispositional nature that people have to respond that way. It could be modeled, you know, when you're younger. Um, another thing that I think of too is that disappointment. You don't want to disappoint people. Um, and you might generally value 
the relationships in your life over other things. Like it might be a values thing. Like um, mm-hmm. the relationships in my life matter more than even my sense of autonomy or maybe, you know, my work. So I'm going to say yes to these specific things and I'm not going to say no to those things just because I value that more. Yeah, I definitely jump right to family dynamic mm-hmm. of people. You know, when we're younger, we're looking to answer the question, who am I? And it's mm-hmm. not just who am I in general, who am I in this unit, this family dynamic? So a lot of people get put into, you're the helper. You're the, you know, I'm always, I'm mom or dad's right hand man, woman, person, or we're the family therapist. And again, it doesn't always have to be, oh, your family's full of trauma. Not necessarily. You were just the helper in the family that everyone could turn to, that no matter what, you were going to be there to listen. You were going to be there to help them wash the car. Yeah, I definitely see that grow out of more of a family dynamic of, oh, this is just who I was. This is how Mm -hmm. I got validation, as KBI mentioned before. I love that you brought that up, Justin, because thinking even beyond family, I think there can be cultural influences, um, you know, societal influences. So I think of like sexism. And if we think of uh, the role of women in many societies, whether it's, you know, submissiveness that is taught to them or the idea that women are more nurturing, so they may feel the need to say yes to more, you know, childcare duties, or if we're thinking of traditional gender roles, like saying yes to the cooking and cleaning, I'm thinking sexism and women Mm -hmm. and traditional gender roles Mm -hmm. in that sense. But same with men, like might feel like the need to say yes to the yard work. I'm being so stereotypical here, but yeah, I think there's so many aspects of our society and culture that can kind of influence people pleasing tendencies. Um, sexism is a big one that comes to mind, but I don't know mm-hmm. if you can think of other like influences. Yeah. I think about, um, I think about race when I think about, mm-hmm. um, the healthcare system, you know, um, yeah. people of color tend to, you know, just based on research and based on what I've learned, you know, um, when they're in a medical setting, they might just kind of say yes, cause they don't know, um, mm-hmm. how to say no in those situations because of the power dynamic. Most providers, not most providers, but a lot of providers are white. You know, so Mm -hmm. if a person of color is in a situation with a white provider, they might not be seen or heard in a way that Mm -hmm. um, they're able to exercise autonomy and making choices for themselves that might feel good or they might not um, feel comfortable asking questions even like, what does this medical procedure even mean for me? Are there alternative Mm -hmm. options? How can I talk about the consequences, risks or benefits to this, you know? And of course, this is generalizing. You know, there are situations mm-hmm. in which people could exercise their autonomy and feel comfortable in that. Um, but a lot of my clients who are people of color will tell me, like, I went to the gynecologist or I went to the physician today and I felt really uncomfortable with the situation mm-hmm. and I didn't know what to say. So I just said, yes, like you just mm-hmm. believe your doctor, even though I felt really uncomfortable and I wanted to say no. Mm-hmm. So I think disparities in healthcare related to race or another reason potentially why people might people please. Hearing you say that, K10, I can think of some of some of my like trans and gender diverse individuals, mm-hmm. especially living in the South, that like if they are misgendered or called by their birth name won't correct people because mm-hmm. they don't want to cause mm-hmm. issues, um, you know, safety 
reasons, mm-hmm. um, things like one. that. Um, yeah, that just came to mind when you were talking about like inequalities in healthcare because we see that with LGBTQ plus individuals as well. Yeah, um, inequalities in healthcare, um, healthcare access, and treatment. Oh, definitely. I mean, if you don't feel, I mean, in some sense, if you feel like you're not seen, then I think people pleasing is a little easier because you don't, <laughs> you don't want to create waves and you just want to mm-hmm. feel safe. Yeah. And with safety, I mean, a lot of times people tend to be agreeable in situations in which they don't want to be. Um, yeah. and internally they're like, I wish I could say something, you know, um, mm-hmm. but they don't because of safety. So. Absolutely. So Emily from Wisconsin asks, how do you know when you are in the recovery stages of being a people pleaser? P.S. Love this podcast. It inspires me as a future therapist. Thank you, Emily. Mm -hmm. We need you in the field. Yay. I think when you feel, when you, when you feel the resentments kind of releasing, when you feel like you're not building new ones, um, when you feel like, you know, there are times that I do put myself first and that I'm not always on the back burner. Um, I, I know for me specifically, it was I stopped building resentments. Um, and I felt, and I found that like maybe I felt more inclined to say yes. Like I felt more authentic saying yes. Then I was just saying yes, but it was actually there was actually meaning behind it for me. That was that was what it was for me. Yeah, I think when you start putting more of a focus on what you need for you and less of a focus on how someone may react. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think to- when I see someone sort of in the middle stages, they're working on tolerating the distress that comes with how they may or may not react. Mm -hmm. But that's a tough lesson that we have to experience, right? We have to put ourselves in the situation to do something different, to see how do we tolerate someone being upset with us, being disappointed in us, being a little cold towards us. Because when we start changing a dynamic that is better for us, people likely aren't going to like it. It's just the Mm -hmm. reality. But learning to tolerate that distress is necessary if you want to recover from being a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. I know, you know, the group members voted that I'm (laughs) most likely to be a people pleaser and I definitely am. But for me, like I'm a lot better than I used to be. And for me, it was, and I have this distinct memory, I won't go into all the details, but setting a clear boundary that I was very worried about setting and realizing that nothing bad happened and wow. I could do that again. And it wasn't a like hard no. It was a, I can't do this today, but mm. I will get to it. And the individual in the shaving, I was like, okay, totally understand. And I was like, oh, wait, I can set boundaries. Yes. And that at least, and I mean, it might not be like that for everybody, mm-hmm. but that was a, a moment for me to realize like, oh, I can do this and like that. Not to say bad things won't always ha- like happen or people will always respond that way, but that at least gave me the confidence to be like, okay, now I can start setting more boundaries in different places. Yeah. I love that. I even think like 
You could even start to set boundaries in places that you feel your tolerance window is a little different. So if it's, for example, like when I think of culture and families, depending on your culture and how you grew up, you might really not feel comfortable 100% saying no to like a family member because that might mean a lot of different things for you in terms of like housing, safety, things like that. Mm -hmm. So you might start with work or you might start with friends. And if that feels uncomfortable, that's okay. You know, um, but I always encourage people like you are the main character in your life. And if you set a boundary and somebody doesn't like it, that's okay. They're allowed to be disappointed, like Justin was saying. And that boundary, like KBI always says, is for the relationship to continue. So if you do set that boundary and the relationship doesn't continue, big yikes. I mean, now you know, right? But if it's family, you might want to be a little different. You know, it just depends on, you know, the culture and all that stuff too. Well, and I, think like I just want to hold on this topic for just a second because we this is something we didn't touch upon in the first half was you know the impact of people pleasing when you are in unsafe situations or in you're in situations where you might have to people please to keep the peace because you need a place to live or yeah or Mm -hmm. it is or it is physically unsafe or even emotionally unsafe for you to say no. And I would just want to go out there and validate the, maybe the individuals who are listening who may be living in environments where they really do have to keep the peace because it may mm-hmm. be physically unsafe for them, um, that it is okay to keep your to, to say yes to keep yourself safe um, until you can get to a place where you can say no. Um, whether that's because you leave your home or, um, right, you get older, whatever that may be. Um, I know for myself, I wasn't able to set boundaries until I left my mother's home mm. because I was not in a safe, emotionally safe situation to be able to say no. And so I just want to kind of put out there for the for the people who are listening who are probably like, yeah, setting boundaries is great and doing all that, but it's not great if, you know, when I do it, I get screamed at for, for 25 minutes and, um, I lose access to resources or whatever. So I just Mm -hmm. want to kind of put that out there because that's not something that we touched upon in the main, um, discussion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm so happy you said it because I think when I think of IPV, like intimate partner violence, Mm -hmm. usually when somebody sets a boundary or the nature of the relationship changes, that's when people feel the most unsafe. So I'm really happy that you said that because, um, you might not be in a place right now to be able to put up a boundary, but even if you're thinking about it, that's definitely a good start, um, even if you can't act on it right now. For sure. So Laura from the Netherlands asked, how do you know the difference between when you are being respectful to yourself by not people-pleasing versus being rude to someone by not quote-unquote people-pleasing? Um, and then she said, I love listening to you all. You, you may always be rude to someone. I, mm-hmm. I love the question. Yeah. Shout out to being in the Netherlands too. We're going to come out, all of us, trip. We're, we're we, are you Are we skipping Jamaica? We decided. Okay. Laura, Laura said, sponsored think, visit. You just don't Yo, want to be in America anymore. You know. Amen. Uh, but I say that directly because someone may always interpret you saying no as rude. It's mm-hmm. irrelevant. It's what is your truth? And yes, aside from, we can definitely get into cultural dynamics within your family, Mm -hmm. 
of why you might assume certain roles or say yes to certain things. Safety is always a concern. But in a lot of other interactions that go down, someone might just interpret us doing what's best for ourselves as rude. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm like, that's okay. You mm-hmm. can think that about me, but no one is going to know what's best for me except me. I'm. I, no one else can tell me that. So I, I think it's sort of like a sad truth that someone may interpret us taking space or saying, I can't do that in any way they may interpret it, but it's almost none of our business. Yep. It's so true. You might be the villain in someone else's story, even mm-hmm. though you were not trying to be, you know, you were just trying to do something good for yourself. Well, and I, totally. and I always tell people, you could say something in the nicest tone, the nicest way. And someone, and if they're not happy with it, they're going to find something wrong. No, you know, if you go and you use, totally. you know, aggressive tone and aggressive language, you're like, yeah, I'm not fucking doing that for you, you dickhead. <laughs> like, you know what? Slightly rude. But at the end of the day, if that's, you know, how you needed to go to get your need met, like there have been times where I have set the nice boundaries and I've been very nice about it. And it's gotten to the point where they were disrespected, where I'm like, I'm not fucking doing this anymore. Stop asking. And so that's mm-hmm. where, you know, there are definitely times where you can have a rude tone. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, you know, most of us don't start off that way. We start off with kindly yes. asking people or saying, no, I don't want to yes. do that. Mm-hmm. And then it escalates. Right, yes. right, right. right. Mm-hmm. I would just like to highlight how KBI said that was slightly rude. <laughs> the the I mean I could have used not, a lot more colorful language. I feel like no, it was KBI just put up a boundary. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just thought it was funny because I was like, yeah, that's rude, and then she's like, that might be slightly rude. Like, yeah, all perspective, the threshold. Yep, like, the threshold that, that's a good. But that's a good uh, example of what Justin's trying to say. Like everybody interprets things differently, right? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you could be the nicest, button it up, put a bow on it, deliver Mm. it with grace, and that other person's still going to be mad. And Mm -hmm. that's okay. Well, I could use Mm -hmm. that phrase to my brother and my brother's going to think that's every other interaction we have with each other and that's normal. I use that interaction with Jess and she's going to be like, what did I do? Oh my God. I can't. I can't. (laughs) But that's again like context with the people that that yeah. you're around. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm I am in general that delivery does matter, and I it know does. you're not saying yeah. delivery doesn't, but that like you said, that's also dynamic dependent situation relationship di- dependent. Mm-hmm. And and there are some people that delivery could be something you could work on. So, mm-hmm. Some people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. most people believe there is. I don't I don't think delivery is the issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's more just owning it's okay for someone to be upset with me. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. Part they're of already, life even. I always go back to like they're already I have to remind myself of this. There are already people out there who think I am like the worst. And wild but true. Who cares? Like are they impacting my day to day? Are they paying my bills? Are they making my life decisions? Are they like impacting my happiness? Am I upset? Of course that I like potentially, I don't know, made somebody feel bad. But I know for sure my intentions and my delivery was on point. And that person might interpret it differently because everybody has a different worldview. 
And I, another thing I remind myself for, especially for the people out there who are trying to recover from people pleasing is everybody is going to have a different perception of who you are in their own mind because nothing is objective when it comes to relationships. It's all subjective Mm -hmm. based on Mm -hmm. what you feel and what you perceive in the moment. And unless there's a third party observer who's neutral and they're doing naturalistic observation during a randomized controlled trial and they're doing a case study and they're taking data, that's the only time that anybody would ever know the real truth. I mean, nobody's doing that, okay? Like, unless it's Jess well, observing you I was about to be like, unless it's happen. Jess. Unless it's Jess, yeah. Jess She's could probably be objective. Data. She's always watching. Always. Always, always collecting watching. the data. Taking data on all of us, honestly. I'm worried one day. She's going to come out with this big research study and be like, you know what? I wasn't the big old, big, biggest people pleaser. KBI was. And we're all going to be like, <gasps> Um, So KBI, I love that you brought up a few moments ago about, you know, sometimes it's not safe to set boundaries because Madison Mm. from Virginia asked, when should you worry about people pleasing? When does it become dangerous? So kind of the opposite Mm. of what we were talking about. I mean, it can, I mean, you know, different depending on the individuals you might be interacting with, like you could put yourself in unsafe situations by saying yes. Um, Just because you want to keep that relationship, you could end up in, you know, even if like you could just end up in situations where, you know, crimes are being committed. You know, I've ended up in cornfields by accident um, because I didn't say no. In like, like I've ended up five five towns over than where I intended to be that night because I just kept saying yes, because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to hurt people. Um, And so it very much, you know, it could end up like, you know, people asking you for money and you keep giving it and suddenly you can't pay your bills. Mm. Um, You know, it very, it very much can lead to some dangerous situations. Yeah. I even think of people who work, I know some of our listeners are therapists and some of our listeners are like, you know, in healthcare. I even think when you say yes at work, when you need to put up boundaries, you could be, maybe it's not dangerous, but maybe you're just tired or you're exhausted and you're saying yes and it impacts your work. Mm -hmm. It does. You know, Mm -hmm. just say you do data entry for a company and you need it to be on point. If you're just saying yes when you're exhausted and you're working that extra shift, you might make some errors. Of course, it's not like a make or break dangerous wise, but you know, it impacts maybe your self-esteem, your self-worth, you know, you feel low at work now, you're making mistakes, you're getting feedback. I mean, just the ability to potentially think about, am I doing this for financial reasons? Like, do I need money? Or am I doing it so my boss isn't disappointed? And it could just be a conversation like, hey, boss, I'm really exhausted. (laughs) Like, is it okay Mm -hmm. if I take the night off? And he might just be like, okay, you're good. No big deal. But in your mind, you're thinking, if I say no, it's going to be a big deal when it might not be, you know? So I think gathering evidence is important too. The only other thing I want to add, thinking about more relationships, I know we talked about codependency, but if you're always saying yes, it is easy to be taken advantage of or manipulated. And if we're thinking about romantic relationships or even friendships, um, or any relationship where there's a power differential like a boss or employee, it could get into dangerous territory if you're being manipulated, taken advantage of, whether that's not just with your time, but like financially, um, sexually exploited, things like that. Um, 
So I definitely think there are various situations outside of cornfields that (laughs) could be dangerous. So Sophia from Florida. Oh, I was waiting for... Sophia! (laughs) Sophia! (laughs) They just waved to me. Just, oh my gosh, how sweet. Down the street. That's so sweet. Oh, so sweet. Justin, They're why wrestling are you an waving? alligator. Why are you it, waving it happen. at your If you wall. live in Florida, you just wrestle gators. It's just okay. what you do. I'm telling you, that video that I saw of the guy just smacking the gator on the head with a frying pan was the most Florida <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it was... is another – alligators are dinosaurs. Prove me wrong. Like, No, you can't. It's, yeah. it's scientific fact. <laughs> just knows. So, so I feel Sophia, like it is, though. Safe. Like I feel like <laughs> – I hope Sophia is safe from wrestling the alligator. Um, But she said, my therapist told me I rely on people pleasing to get the external validation I never got as a child. So she actually had a two-part question. How do I develop a better relationship with myself so I don't need approval from others and I'm hyper-independent and avoidant? How can I start accepting help and support from others instead of pushing them away? Yes. Sophia coming me. in with the heat. I love these questions. Is Sophia me? I think I put this Sophia's question KPI. Oh my gosh. What is asking for help? I don't know her. You suck at asking for help. Um, but when I when I think – Sophia, when I think of your first question, um, how do I develop a better relationship with myself so I don't need the approval of others? When I think about this, um, a long time ago I had to ask myself the same question and I had to ask myself why am I valuing – the opinion of others over my own opinion. Um, and if I take what they're telling me, just say like I'm worried about like them mm. more so than I'm worried about me. Why am I living my life for other people? And I had to like actually sit with that. It was mm. like personally it was really painful for me because I'm like, no, I'm like independent and I do things for myself. I really wasn't. I was really focusing so much on what other people thought and their appraisal of me and my ability to say yes, because I think mm-hmm. about it this way, it goes a little deep and I'm going to get a little deep for Sophia right here because it's just personal for me too. When you start to really, really peel back the layers, your ability to say yes doesn't make you any more worthy of that connection or of whatever that is. You're already enough. you know. So even mm-hmm. if you say no, your value does not diminish mm-hmm. when you say no. And I had to like really sit with that truth. I don't know if that will relate for you or other group members. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the first start of me really trying to work through my people pleasing, just to answer your first question. I don't know whatever, what you guys think, but that's where I would start. And well, mine was, you know, a little bit different. And like, for me, like I looked for that validation of others because it, because I didn't trust my own judgment. Mm-hmm. I didn't trust the judgment of like my personal judgment to even judge myself. Because I had to, I had to be lying. I had to, I had to not understand. So other people had to really see me because, you know, I just didn't get it. And so it wasn't until, you know, I started to accept that I had good judgment to be able to stop seeking that validation of others and actually start seeking it for myself. Um, You know, and that was, you know, I'm, how old am I now? 31? So it wasn't until probably I was like 25, 26 before I really got into that and really kind of acknowledged like I I need I need external validation because I don't trust myself. 
and and kind of coming to terms with that for myself was really hard. Um, and spending a lot of time learning to trust myself and my own choices because I've always felt like I made not so great choices. Mm. Yeah, I, I totally echo what has already been said. I, I think people pleasing can be a great way to avoid ourselves. And I know I did it, especially after my brother passed away, because I, I didn't want to spend time with the pain. I didn't want to spend time with the unfairness that life can be at times. So an easy way to do that is just to pour energy into other people. It's a brilliant way to avoid yourself entirely and avoid pain. Part of me wonders, you say you're hyper independent and avoidant, you know, not accepting help or support from others. What would that mean if you did? Like, mm. what, what would that open up? Would you have to look at yourself more? Would you have to accept that, again, there are, there are places that you need to grow or there are places that you actually do need help? Because um, when we start accepting help and support from others, yeah, it shows that there's areas that we probably don't want to look at within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, but it's important just to accept that globally. Yeah, we all have a bit of that. Yeah. And again, we might be using people pleasing as a way just to entirely avoid the self. Mm. So I think we have time for one last question. So we do. I don't want it to end. I know. Tell me, tell me. So th this was interesting. So Caitlin from California said, I've heard that people pleasing is a form of manipulation. Is it? And could you consider it harmless manipulation? What are your thoughts? Like that honest, the I never person thought of it who from is that. Like that the person who is the people pleaser is manipulating other people or that other people are manipulating. Mm -hmm. the, so the I, I'm reading yeah. it as the former because I can totally yeah, yeah. see how yeah. people pleasers can right. be manipulated, but people pleasing as a form of manipulation. I think the word manipulation is just a heavy word. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I but, mean, I could – yeah, I could see it as like trying to get I mean, your needs met maybe. Yeah, yeah, I mean, technically speaking, you know, if I'm if I am doing things to elicit an outcome from someone else, you know what it it, it is in a way. It's just a different it's a different version of maybe how we normally see manipulation. But like if I yeah. am strategically planning my behaviors, to make sure that someone else doesn't get mad at me. Yeah, some of it is I semantics. See it, I just but... think. Oh, sorry. No. no. Yeah, I was gonna say it is really semantic. I think when people manipulate, they often are getting their needs met. Mm -hmm. I don't. Yeah. And, and again, I'm defining this on the fly. Of when I hear manipulation, I'm manipulating a situation so I get what I want and my needs are met. I think people believe that you're not getting your needs met, but is it having an impact? Yeah. So I think it, your behaviors could be impacting someone, but it's not the way I think of manipulation. And maybe, yeah. again, maybe I'm wrong in my working definition of manipulation. No, I'm with you. Cause I think when I think of like secondary gain, 
when we just mm. hear that in psychology, mm-hmm. it's like I'm doing this for an intended reason, you know? Yeah. But I do think that if you are people-pleasing, then it could – I don't know. If you're saying yes to things – and I always go with the yes and no thing. If I'm saying yes to things that I could easily say no to, but I know the desired outcome might be good for both of us, even though I'm not getting my needs met, technically, you're kind of – catering it in a way. It's not like technically manipulative in my mind. I'm trying to just conceptualize it. Um, But if you want to say no, but you're saying yes, that other person is not getting the full scope of what's going Mm -hmm. on. So it could be not deceitful, but that person might not really know where you're coming from potentially. You know, they might not have all the information. Um, Hmm. Yeah. It was a good question. I had never thought of it. Yeah. And I have nothing to add. I'm still thinking of Mm-hmm. Really good things. I'm going to think about this till 2 a.m. <laughs> when she's not You had sleeping. a good point. We're allowed to disagree. You know that. Oh, I think that makes great discussion. Can you imagine going through graduate school and having to agree? Like, I feel like graduate school imagine- is just feuding. Can we just imagine feuded. we were all people pleasers in this podcast? <laughs> Oh, yeah, all four yeah. of us, and we just agreed We're with all, everything. Really? Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Because we, we all have agreeable. amazing, like, different backgrounds and stories yeah. and experiences mm-hmm. and all that. So, right, right. I, I think I think better as a person when someone offers insights that I didn't have or points mm-hmm. out of like, oh, mm-hmm. what about this? Yeah, yeah it's a fun part of learning and growing. But all things must come to an end. I don't have a transition, so <laughs> that was such a good one. No. No, it wasn't. I didn't have a transition. I won't accept your people pleasing. <laughs> I'm not even people pleasing. We're just calling a Some sp- of us are not perfectionists. Yeah, true. That's, that's another episode. We'll get into perfectionism. Stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> well, we, thank y'all, as always, being with us. I just got to say, we're getting close to May, which happens to be it's mental health. Awareness Month. Oh, you know, every therapist that has ever made a single piece of content is just chopping at the bit. Getting hyped. It's gonna be May. It's gonna be May. Justin Timberlake. (laughs) But y'all, we're always, we're stoked. We got a bunch of things planned for Mental Health Awareness Month, which is the entire month of May. But before we transition, we, we always ask a little reflective question. How will you know if you are people pleasing in the future? Looking forward, how will you know? First, we got to recognize it, right? What will your signs be? You're like, ah, mm. I listened to Welcome to Group Pod, and they said, here's a sign that I'm just caught up in people pleasing again. Identify it, friends. Rate, review, share this with someone. Thank you, as always, for being a group member.